I'd like to welcome uh, Pastor Aaron Ruth to come forward now. I, I think I've met you probably, what, three or four years ago now, somewhere at one of the conferences, we sat down and had a coffee, or, um, and then last year we got the chance to just hang out with Pastor Chris and, and Hornsby, which was really good, and then you just keep dropping around everywhere, everywhere I go, you sort of just drop in and there you are, but... Uh, Erin Ruth works for CRC Training, and uh, one of her roles, I'm sure she'll tell you a lot about it um, today, but it's our privilege to actually host you uh, this weekend for what we did yesterday, but also to hear you share the words. So just put your hands together and welcome Pastor Erin Ruth as she comes this morning. Um, I get that. So it's been great to be with you guys. Um, I drove up Friday. So I'm from Melbourne. Um, Head Office of CRC Training is based in Melbourne at the moment, and I have the privilege of being the one that gets to travel around um, predominantly Victoria, but I've also been to South Australia and to New South Wales to talk about what we're doing and quite often I get the privilege of preaching. So it's a real honour to be with you guys today. Uh, yesterday we had a certificate three for those of you who are on board with that. So we had our second monthly session and we covered a lot of the New Testament in uh, record time. So um, that was great. And if, you, if, you've, if you've got questions about training, please come and see me. There's a little table up the back and I can fill you in on some of the programs we offer. I know looking around I can see students, 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 students. So I know you've got a lot of people on the ground who can answer your questions as well. So um, I do want to encourage you that uh, the heart of CRC training is to see people equipped so that they can do what God is calling them to do. And um, God really wants to release all of us to do what he wants us to do, not because he's a slave driver, but because he loves us and he knows it's going to bring great joy to us to step into the fulfilment of what he's calling us to do. So... Without anything, I've got, I was going to say without anything to do, I've got notes from this morning where, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, oh God, I want to, I want you to stretch me and grow me. And then he goes, awesome. So he wakes you up early and he tells you a few different things that he wants you to do today that you've never done before. And I'm like, that is not what I mean. So, um, but that's what he meant. And so I've entitled my sermon wherever, whatever I'm in. So I thought it was very funny that um, he really challenged me this morning to say, are you actually in when I ask you to stretch and do a few things that are a little bit different? So we're going to do that a little bit later on, but I want to encourage you that um, God wants to talk to all of us. No matter where you're at with your um, relationship and journey with God, um, you might be here just for the dedication and you might not have been in church for a while. It's not an accident that you're here this morning. God really wants you to know that he loves you and that he has a plan for you and that he wants to do life with you. And for some of us, we've been hanging around church since the day we were born and um, he wants to tell you that he loves you and that he has a plan for you and he wants to encourage you. So we're all in the same boat today. Awesome. So I'm going to take a quick journey through Ruth. Now, some of you may never have heard the book of Ruth, um, may never have stopped and parked at the book of Ruth, but we're going to spend a little bit of time just in Ruth today because she um, is a, it's a Bible book in the Old Testament and she's really quite an amazing woman and she makes quite an amazing statement and that's what we're going to focus on. But first, I don't want to assume that you all know about the book of Ruth because um, sometimes we don't and the preacher gets up and goes, you all know what I'm talking about and you're sitting there thinking, I have no idea what they're talking about. So I don't want that to be your experience in church this morning. So I'm going to give you just a couple of minute overview of what the book of Ruth is about. So you find Ruth in the Old Testament just after Judges if you're, going, if you're flicking through it. But I'm just going to scoot through it. So don't worry if you don't have your Bible with you. So 
The book starts with a lady, a lady named Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, and they move from Israel to go and live in a, in a country called Moab because there's a drought where they are. So they up and move to another nation to live in. Uh, while she's in this nation, Naomi's husband dies, um, but, but she already has two, she has two sons. Her husband dies, but then both of her, both of her children marry Moabite wives. So at the time, that was not the go. That is not the thing that was um, permissible and cheered on. So that was a bit countercultural from where Naomi had come from. So her two daughters-in-law were actually from Moabite. And then her two sons pass away. So in this moment, Naomi finds herself no husband, no sons, two daughter-in-laws in a foreign land. And she hears the news that the drought has broken back home and she thinks things are going great there. I'm going to pack up and I'm going to move home. So this is where this, this kicks off in chapter one. So she starts this process of moving home and her two daughters-in-law names, one was Ruth and one was Orpah. So they start this journey home with her. Um, and halfway through this journey, or it doesn't really say how many kilometres down the track they were, but partway through this journey... Naomi turns around and says, no, 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 you girls, you can go back. You can go back to your families, you can go back to your town, you can go back to your gods because they had their own gods that they were worshipping. I'm going to release you from coming with me. You can go back home. And they're like, no, 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 we'll come with you. It's fine. And so she's like, so Orpah in the end decides that she's going to turn back because Naomi says, look, even if I got married again today, are you going to hang around and wait for my child to grow up for you to marry him? Because that was the custom of the day was that if there was another child or another son that they would marry the wife and they would bear a child. So it's very different to what we're living in in 2019, okay? So that's why I just want to set you up with some understanding of what's happening. So she's like, you're not going to do this. And so Orpah goes, okay, cool, I'll go home. So she kisses her on the cheek and she heads home. And Ruth makes this statement in verse 16 and 17. Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you or turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if anything but death separate us. And so at this time, Naomi then goes, all right, well, she's pretty determined. Let's go. So they go, they go back. And so that's sort of just a very quick summary of what happens in chapter one. In chapter two, uh, Ruth takes on the responsibility of finding the food for their family. So her family at the moment is Ruth and her mother is Ruth and her mother-in-law Naomi. So she takes on that responsibility. So she goes out into the field to glean. So after the harvesters, she goes out and she picks up all the little bits and pieces. And so she goes out, and this guy called Boaz sees this woman in the field, and he says to some of the other workers, "Who is that girl over there?" And they tell the whole story. Oh, she's Naomi. La, la, la. They tell the whole story. He goes, "All right." Tell her that she can come and glean in my field at any time. And that at that point is a real act of safety that he provides for Ruth. She's a single woman out working in the field with no one who knows her. So he provides a covering at that time to protect her and say, look, come out here, gather up. That'll give you some grain to eat, to cook so you can live, so you can have some bread to eat. And he provides this covering and says, you know, you come work here. We'll provide you. If you need a drink of water, you get a drink of water. It's all cool. So she goes back, Ruth goes back to Naomi and it's like, so how was your day today? Oh yeah, cool, I went to Boaz's farm. And Naomi's like, Boaz's farm? Did you know that Boaz is a relative? And she's like, well, why would, you know, she's probably thinking, why would I know that Boaz was a relative? Um, but Boaz actually was a relative. 
She was a distant relative, so at this time, you've got to remember that um, if there was a son, so if Naomi had had another son, they would have married um, Ruth and then had that would have car- carried on the generational line, but there wasn't, so it would fall to the responsibility of a distant relative. And so Boaz was this guy that they knew at the time. And so Naomi comes up with a little plan for um, Ruth to reveal to Boaz who she is. So she goes out one night at to the threshing, threshing, threshing floor, which I'm not really into grain and harvesting all that, so I don't get all that. Um, but some of you guys might understand more about what happens in that field than I do. And so they go out and Ruth tells Boaz at this stage, you know what, this is the family connection. And Boaz is like, don't you worry, I'll get this sorted out tomorrow. So you just stay over there, sleep in the morning. She gets up, but he gives her some grain. He goes back to and says, don't worry, I'm going to get it sorted. So chapter four. Boaz gets up, he goes to the town gate. So at the town gate, what would happen is a bunch of elders would gather around and that's where they would do town business, okay? So he's like, oh, here comes... Because what Boaz knows is that he's not the closest relative, There's actually another relative who has to be, because of customs, given the opportunity to redeem, is how they would phrase it, redeem Ruth. In other words, marry her, redeem any land they had and bear her a son. Because son were the children that they were after. They were the heirs that they were after. Sorry, girls. Um, And so that was what was happening. So he knew this. So Boaz is like, I'm going to get it sorted. So he sees the other relative come into town, calls him over, gathers the 10 guys around and says, right, this is what's going on. So to start with, he just says, um, Elimelech died, this is the sons, da-da-da-da-da, there's land that needs to be redeemed. And he's like, yeah, I'm all on board. And then Boaz says, oh, well, actually, there's a wife too, her name's Ruth. And he's like, well, I can't do anything about that because that's going to threaten my family's inheritance. And Boaz says, that's fine. I'll handle it. So they have some sandal swapping ceremony at the time. So he takes his sandal off and they do the sandal swapping thing and they off, off they go. Totally different. I don't know about you, but I've never swapped my sandal with someone down the main street um, when I've been making a deal about things. Maybe it's a city thing that we don't do that. But um, So that is what is happening in this story. And the reason I love this story is because there's not a big pivotal moment of God going, I am here, I am doing this. But she is doing life and it's very evident that God had his hand on her the whole way along. And I want to encourage you, God has his hand on you the whole way along. Sometimes we don't see it. Too very long way down the track and we're like, oh, okay, I get it now. But I do want you to know he has his hand on you and it's not a mistake that you were here this morning because he wants to say something to you just for you this morning. So one of the amazing things about Ruth too is she lived in a culture where um, the guys were the heirs, the guys were noticed and the girls weren't, right? So, But yet she was called out for her faithfulness a few times. And actually when you read in Matthew, you read through um, the genealogy of Jesus, it actually mentions Ruth by name and there's very few women that are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. And the other thing to know is that she has been swept into the nation of Israel. So she was a Moabite and she's been swept in and that too makes it very rare. So the fact that it's mentioned there um, really is just God saying he was inviting people in the whole way to his promise. But there's, they mentioned Rahab and they mentioned Ruth in that genealogy and it really is a sweeping in of other nations and a sweeping in of women. Not to be like, yeah, women are awesome, but to recognise that he had his hand in their story and they've had an active part of the next generations that followed. 
afterwards. So she gets married to Boaz. They have a son. And Naomi gets up and says, My daughter-in-law, Ruth, she's better than seven sons. Now, I don't know about you, if your mother-in-law said that to you, whether you'd be like, yeah, that's amazing. Um, Because today it doesn't carry the same weight. We'd be thinking, well, that's nice. But at that time, it meant she really had esteemed her. My daughter-in-law, she is wonderful. She is better than if I had seven sons. It's such an affirmation of who Ruth was and the character that Ruth had. And I want to say to you that God... Um, affirms you in similar ways and sometimes we think that's a really strange way to be affirming me Lord why, why are you saying that about me but he's drawing things out and he's highlighting to people things in your character that others are going to love that, and they're just going to say wow I can tell that they know Jesus because of that and there's going to be I just get the impression that there was rumours spread about Ruth but they were good rumours. They're like, man, she's amazing. Do you see what she's done for her mother-in-law? She could have just stopped off, but no, she came. She's out there in the field. She's cleaning. She is amazing. And it actually says in um, chapter 2, let's go to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 10, this is, um, I'm just going to read it and then explain where it fits in. Uh, so Ruth fell down and thanked him warmly for what... Um, what have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. I know, said Boaz, replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of her husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother in your own land and came here um, among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, bring, uh, under whose wing you have come, take refuge and reward you for what you have done. So he'd heard the news of her. So you don't hear the news of someone unless someone is talking about someone. I don't hear the news of what's happening in Griffith unless someone's talking about what's happening in Griffith. So I know that you've got a new school. I know some of that testimony because people are talking about it because they're sharing in the joy wherever they are around the nation about what's happening here. And that was the same thing that was happening in her life. People were noticing what was happening and they were talking about it. But quite often what happens when we talk about people is we pull people down. But in this story we see that she's actually being esteemed for her character and what she's bringing to the situation. Amazing. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 10 and 11 says, The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz explained. You have shown even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary. And for everyone in town knows that you are a virtuous woman. So that's the time when she says who she is at the threshing floor and he's like got it under control but he's already, he's esteeming her again to say don't worry, everyone in town knows your character. How, how does that make you feel if every, you knew that everyone in Griffith knew your character? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I think sometimes I'd have a moment of going, oh, ouch. <laughs> Do I, you know, what would the story be that is being told about me around town? And... Um, So this is the whole groundwork that comes from her one simple statement. Her life was totally transformed from her one statement in chapter one right the way through to chapter four when she said, don't force me to leave you or make me go back home. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I'll die. And that's where I'll be buried. So help me God if anything but death separates us. That's the message version of that. 
she didn't know at the time she made her declaration in chapter one what her chapter four ending was going to be. She had no idea of that small, it probably seemed like a very small decision at the time because she'd already said goodbye to her family. She'd already made that cut and started this journey with Naomi. She'd made that decision to lay that aside and go, I'm going to go here. But she didn't know at that time what the fruit of that decision was going to be. And there's lots of times in our own lives we make decisions that we have no idea what the fruit of those decisions are going to be. And sometimes we get out of chapter one moment and we don't say yes to what God's asking us to do because we can't see the chapter four ending. And you know what? In my life, I've never seen the chapter four ending. And there's actually something really cool about that. Because sometimes I think there'd be a lot of pressure on us if we knew exactly how everything was going to unfold. Because what God thinks about you is so much greater than what you think about you. What he knows you can do in your life is so much greater than what you know you can do in your life. So if he revealed all of that to us, we'd all be a bit like, I'm going to run and sit the other way because I'm just shocked that he would want to use me in that way. So what you do is you just make your chapter one decision to go, you know what, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do today. Today you asked me to get up, get to church on time, help with worship, helping the kids, whatever. So I'm going to commit to doing that with everything I have, chapter one decision. And then as time unfolds, you see that that one decision that seemed quite small can turn into being uh, all sorts of things. It can open up things in your ministry. It can open up things. And so when I say ministry, ministry means to serve. It doesn't mean to stand at the front of church and preach, okay? It means to serve God. So that can happen in your workplace, okay? So he can open up things in your ministry in your, if that's in a workplace, or sometimes that is within the church. It could be in a volunteer realm, but he opens up opportunities because he's grown you in that chapter one, yes, to prepare you for your chapter four. So we don't even know what happens after the rest of this story. But it, her life continued. These guys are real people. When we read this book, I don't know about you, but I can't find it really to go, oh, yeah, but they didn't have to deal with the things I have to deal with. But they're real people with real lives and real challenges and real people who hurt them and real people who betray them. They, they knew what it was like to have to get up and go to work. And sometimes their work was a lot physically... Now, I would say the work is a lot physically harder than what I do. Now, some of you, I know that would have been not true because I know that you work on the land. So you work a lot harder physically than I do sitting in my office typing on my little keyboard. I understand that. But even in that time, the tech, they didn't have technology like we have now. They were living totally different lives to what we're living now. And yet their faithfulness to follow God and who he's called them to be is just written on these pages that we go back to to inspire us in our lives. I think how good is God that he used normal people like you and me to encourage us that we can do great things for him and his kingdom. And that's what I really want. I feel that the Lord wants to encourage you all in today, no matter where you're at with your relationship with him. He wants to encourage you that he knows you, he loves you, and he wants to do great things in your life. And the overflow of doing great things in your life is that you get the privilege to do some really cool stuff with other people, such as introducing them to Jesus, which can be scary, but is actually really cool, that you never would have had the opportunity to do if you didn't say yes to the chapter one. You know, life can be like a jigsaw puzzle and um, sometimes there's a corner edge and you've ever seen those pieces that are like those weird five-point pieces and you think, 
what on earth is going on with that really weird shaped piece in the jigsaw puzzle and actually happens to be like one of the pieces that holds a key part of the puzzle together. Am I just talking, I'm talking weird jigsaw language now and you're all like, what is she talking about? This is what happens when you go off your notes. But um, So sometimes you've got corner edges, you've got straight edges, you've got other weird shaped pieces in there. That's our life. We have some corner edges that really solid up what we're doing. We have some weird stuff happening in the middle of that puzzle of our life that we're wondering, how on earth does this fit into the big picture of life? I'm like, I can't even tell where it fits. Does it go this way or that way? It's got like really random pattern on it and you're looking at it and you're thinking, why is it not clear where that piece goes? I hate jigsaw puzzles, okay? So, because they frustrate me because I can't figure out where those centre pieces go. Okay, I can do the edge sometimes, but those middle pieces, they just really are annoying. And in my life, I could get frustrated thinking, God, I don't know what you're doing with this annoying little piece of the puzzle. And I'm sure that you've, probably had times in your life where you're like, I don't know what is going on, but this doesn't feel like it fits with my life. This doesn't feel like it fits with the promise that I've had people speak over my life. I don't understand why this fits in this puzzle. It fits in that puzzle because it's actually going to become part of the linchpin of what takes you to the next something that God is growing you into. There's weird shaped puzzle pieces that sometimes you battle through. It can be circumstance, it can be illness, it can be uh, financial stuff that you're just like, what is going on? Sometimes what he reveals about who he is in that moment actually becomes the clenching piece that lots of other things builds around. And I just think if we can trust the puzzle maker in the factory in China to put all the puzzle pieces in the box how much more can we trust God to put all the right puzzle pieces in our life? He knows what he's doing. And he doesn't just know what he's doing on the big scale. He knows what he's doing for each and every one of us because he created us a certain way. He created us in his image, but we don't all look the same. We don't all sound the same. We don't all talk the same. But we are all a facet of who he is. We're all a facet of his glory. Our character is coming in to be changed more and more into his glory. God is like, I just see like he's wanting to sweep us in to just such a revelation of who he is and what he's calling us to be. And he's really today wanting to encourage us to be a people that will say, you know, whatever, whatever you ask, I'm going to step in. And, you know, it's okay to do that and feel scared about it. That's totally fine because you go, God, I feel really scared about saying I'm going to do whatever. Can you help me? And so you invite him into the midst of that scariness. So rather than partnering with fear, we partner with God to overcome the fear. So I say this as someone whose greatest fears were singing in public and speaking in public. So this right here is my testimony of God's greatness. Because he planted something way back in me when I was a little girl that was about wanting to share who he was with people. But that meant I had to get over my own fear in order to do what he's equipped me to do. And there's been these massive puzzle pieces that have worked around and grown me that I've needed to get me to the position where I have the honour and privilege of travelling and talking to different people. And if I didn't have those weird, ugly-looking jigsaw puzzle pieces, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be in Griffith. I probably wouldn't be walking with the Lord. I probably would have done something really stupid um, that meant I wasn't here. But God is so good that he walked me through those things and he gave me some little tools to put in my little tool belt 
that taught me about his character and who he is. Because when I look at Ruth, I see a woman, because I look back through the cross. So she's an Old Testament woman, okay? But I look at her from someone who lives in the New Testament. So I look at the Old Testament, reading it through the power of the cross. So when I see that, I go, I want to be the sort of woman that will say, whatever you do, God, wherever you go, whoever you call me to be my family, I'm going to be like 100% in. And that is like 100% scary. And the only thing that makes it not scary is because I know the character of God. I know he'll never let me down. So I've got to go, okay, well, Joe Blow let me down and Mary Martha, she was like, oh, telling lies about me or whatever. But I've got to go, God has never let me down. So I've got to forgive that, move on from that and just chase after him and not let that distract me. And God wants to do, I just I'm sharing more of my testimony that I'm planning to share this morning. But I just really feel God just wants to know that there's stuff in your life that you've just been thinking, I don't know what's going on and I don't know what to do about it. And he's saying he is the answer, but he's also going to give you the answer. So one, he is the answer. He holds it all together. He is not the creator of issues, but he certainly knows how to use them to grow us. But within that, he can give you strategy from heaven to get through those situations. And that's exactly what he wants to impart to you this morning, is strategy to help you overcome, to be who God has called you to be, so that you would know your full identity in a new way. We all know our identity in Christ in different ways. And we talked about this yesterday in Cert 3, but even for those who were here yesterday, God wants you to see yourself in a new way this morning, even opposed to what you learnt yesterday about your identity. Every day he wants us to see ourselves, how he's created us and to be changed more and more into his image. And what a privilege that is, to be created in the image of God, to be transformed into the image of God. I bet you that this is so exciting to think that he would love us enough to want to invite us into that journey. Stephen Curtis Chapman has a song um, that's super old now. Like, I went to find it and I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, it's, it's super old. Called Whatever. Called Whatever. And the song goes like this, and I'm not going to sing it. It's, you know, you're safe. Um, <laughs> but that's not why I'm not singing it. Uh, <laughs> um, I made a list, I wrote down from A to Z of all the ways I thought you could best use me. I told you all my strengths and abilities. I formed a plan, it seemed to make good sense. I laid it out so you'd be convinced. I made a case, presented my defence, but then I read your letter that you sent me and it said that all you really want from me is whatever. Whatever you say, whatever, I will obey. Whatever, Lord, have your way, because you are my God. Whatever. So I set a match and set fire to the list of all my good intentions and all my preconceived ideas. I wanted to do your will no matter what it is. Lord, give me faith to follow where you lead. Oh, Lord, give me the courage and the strength to do whatever, whatever you say, whatever, I will obey. Whatever, Lord, have your way because you are my God. Whatever. I am not my own. I am yours and yours alone. You have bought me with your blood. Lord, to you and you alone do I belong. So whatever. And I remember I used to sing that song. I probably got the CD in the car. You know, really loud. Oh, whatever. You're driving down the road, you know. And um, 
But that's the thing about songs that when you sing them like that, God starts to challenge you. You know, there's lots of songs where you sing them and God really challenge you, challenges us on our belief in them. And this for me was one of those songs. You're singing a song about you'll do whatever I ask you to do, but are you going to do whatever? Are you going to get up on those mornings that I want you to go and work in kids' church and you don't want to, but I've asked you to? It was a 10-year journey for me <laughs> of obedience, of God putting me in there. But what he taught me in there, wow. So there are things that we say yes to. I said yes to helping out while the leader was on maternity leave for 12 months. And 10 years later, I stepped out of that role. Best, at the time I didn't think so, best 10 years ever. What God grew me in, in the word, at that time, and in loving people and being able to explain it to a six-year-old. Albert Einstein says, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you don't know it yourself. Wow, does that just get you to be able to hone in on what God is saying? But it's just like a lot of sit down. Can you stop doing that? Can you not pick your nose? Can you, you know, there's a lot of that. Guess what? Life, I think God probably thinks sadder sometimes when he looks at us. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just stop picking your nose and just get with the program? Like, you know, but he's so gracious in that. He puts us in situations really to grow us because he loves us. He doesn't put us in situations to grow us because he's mean. And so, um, I want you to know that he has your hand, his hand on your journey, just as he had his hand on Ruth's journey. He has his hand on your journey. God wants you to know that you can talk to him about anything. And I mean, and if you're sitting in this room and you're thinking, I have never heard anybody get up there and say that I can talk to God about anything. You can talk to God about anything. Prayer is talking to God. And sometimes we hear the word prayer and we think it has to look a certain way. But I can get in my car and I can talk to God. I can wash the dishes and I can talk to God. Sometimes I need to still everything and talk to God. But I don't have to wait till I still everything to talk to him. In an emergency, I talk to him. Driving up from Melbourne on Friday, I talk to him. Sometimes I was like, where is this road leading me? You know, like, because I took the really back way. Um, and so, but I could talk to him. I had company in the car even though I was driving alone because I had a relationship with him and I could talk to him. So I talked to him about some stuff of life and some questions that I wanted answered. Like, let's chat about that. We've got six hours. Let's have a chat. So we did and then, we, then I sung a bit and then we had a chat and then I probably wanted to sleep and I couldn't because I was driving. And so, but we just do life together. That is how I do life with God and that is what he is wanting you to know this morning. You can do life with him. You can communicate with him. He wants to encourage you. He wants to cheer you on. Sometimes he wants to go, you know that thing? I just want to cut that little bit off there. We're just going to round that off because that's going to make you a lot happier person. Sometimes it hurts a little when God decides to do some work on us. <laughs> that little pruning bit, you're like, oh my goodness, that hurts. But what comes after that? This new, if you prune your roses, this new glorious bunch of roses what he wants in our life he wants you to know that there is a privilege that is available to you to be able to 
to work as a really active, vital part of the kingdom, whatever that looks like, wherever that is. Whatever you put your hand to, he wants to honour that and see that extended. He wants you to know that you can come to him at any time with anything. And I know that seems like, oh, she's come and told me a really simple message. Jesus loves me. He does. He loves you in a way that you cannot even fathom. He loves you with such an abundance that he laid down everything in his deity or living in heaven to come to earth to do life so he would understand what it was like. And then he sacrificed himself on the cross because he loves you and he wants you to know that you are loved and that you are worthy of love. Jesus didn't die on the cross for unworthy bride. He died on the cross to come back for a worthy bride, and we are part of that bride. Now, we all have work that we need to do to look more like him, but that's great because he cheers us on and he tells us what bit to do when. He doesn't say, you need to do it all at once. I want you to do it all at once. He just says, talk to me. Do what I ask you to do. That's all he wants us to do, is to do life with him, to talk to him, to learn more about this and to say, God, how do I make this who I am today? So this is two things I really want to do really quickly. I want to challenge you with this, is just to find some time. I'm going to say this afternoon because I know what happens. We leave church and we get about our busy lives and we forget sometimes that there was something we should do. So I want you to spend some time this afternoon and just ask the questions of God. What's the ever, whatever you're asking me to do for this year? What's your whatever for 2019? Or if that seems too scary, what's your whatever for April? What's your whatever until Easter? So you break it down into what you feel you can handle, okay? Because this is a conversation between you and him. So he's going to answer you in a way that you can understand, okay? So I want you to just spend some time and go, God, what's that whatever that you're encouraging me to do today for this year? Maybe the follow-up question is, what does that look like? How do I do that? Do I need to ask someone else in to talk about this? So then you talk to one of the leaders, you just talk to one of your pastors here and you go, I felt God was encouraging me to do this. Can I sit down and have a coffee and tell you this? Because I just, just sort of don't know how to happen. I don't know how to make it happen. And so you invite people in and you say to go, well, who should I invite pe- Who should I invite into this? Who should I sit down and say, I'm struggling to even know where to begin with this? And he goes, oh, ring Pastor Steve. Take him out for a coffee, a really good one. Yeah, he's like, I'm there. Really good coffee. Um... Not an, not an international roast like we were chatting about last night. <laughs> no. um, at least a Makona. But, um, you know, I'll come in here and shout him a coffee and, um, you know, and have a chat and just say, I really, I really feel challenged to grow in this area, but I sort of don't know where to start. Can you give me some guidance? Okay? Now, I know you're all going to rush him today. His calendar's going to be booked for a week, so you're going to be patient in that. But, um, but there's, a, there's a point where in our relationships with God we have to say... Who do I invite in and when do I invite them in? Because for some of you, God's wanting to strengthen you in knowing that you can hear his voice and hear his direction and that you don't need to go to Pastor Steve. So when you, by the time you go to Pastor Steve to ask him the question, he's going to be a confirmation, not the direction, because you're already going to know the direction because you have had that imparted by Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. So this morning, 
or the last few weeks I've been watching a few friends start to work in words of knowledge when they've gone out and I've been super challenged about that. I've gone out with Pastor Chris Carmody who's the National Training Director and I watch him get on a plane and prophesy over the person he's sitting next to and I think, oh, I'm sitting over here on my road just wanting to have a sleep. That's a horrible thing to do. Um, and he's out there just activating the gifts of the Spirit, doing his thing, challenging me without even realising he's challenging me. And uh, so that was great. So that's been stirring for since I started with the college 18 months ago. And I had a friend come last week at the church I'm at and he's like, I've been really challenged to work in the... And I guess I was like, oh, don't, don't do that. Because now I'm going to feel challenged again. And I do... And I was like, but God, I really want to do that, but I don't want to get up there and miss the mark and make a fool of myself. And then he goes, but you're preaching on doing whatever. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I want you to go, you go have a great time at Griffith and you don't get out of your boat. You just feel really comfortable. And he's like, well, that's not what's going to happen. So I start this drive from Melbourne going, all right, God, what is it you want to say? And I felt like there's been like massive tumbleweeds and crickets until this morning at 6 a.m. And then I woke up with the words in my head, left shoulder tingling and I'm like what he's like left shoulder tingling so here we go I've never done this before so here we go so I'm just diving in and showing you that you know sometimes you fall or you flat on your face for God but it's okay I'll deal with it on the way home if I do so if you are here and you have like your left shoulder and it tingles I don't know what that means. You know what tingles means. Um, to you, obviously, know what tingle means. But if that's you, I really want I want you to be brave enough. I'm just going to jump right in, like right off the edge. Brave enough to stand now because <laughs> part of me wants to go, just come forward during the prayer line. So if that is you and you have uh, in your left shoulder a, like a tingling sensation, either now or you've had it during the week, I want you to jump to your feet. We're going to pray that God would heal that. Uh, one of the other things, so I'm just going to keep going through my list. Um, oh, I hope you're not just. I hope you're not just being nice. <laughs> um, I had big toe. I think it was right, but I didn't write it down because um, it took me a while to go. Oh, this is what's happening. Uh, okay, um, big toe is either is like infected or that sounds really gross. Some of you are going. I do not want to own that. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but if you've got pain or something going on in your big toe. We'll pray for you for healing. One of the other things I got too was that someone has like pain in their heart, but it's not like from heart, it's not from heart disease. It's, um, I believe there's a word for that person. So if you've got um, pain in your heart, it's like you physically feel the pain of others when you um, either pray for them or you look around and see what's happening in society. So... If that's you, I have a follow-up word, but I'd like to know who that is before I give the word. Um, and then I also felt that there were people who were in, del- in delay. You feel like you're in a season of delay. And um, in that time of delay, people have been telling you that, oh, well, God's doing is he's growing you in your faith and you've not had this breakthrough because he's growing this or, and you've not had that breakthrough because he's wanting to do this. And I actually... Um, felt that what he's doing is he's going to remove fear um, from around that area because what it is is it's what's happening is people are speaking into you about what the delay is and that's causing fear but God has actually already spoken to you about why there is the delay and the delay is about growing you into something and everybody else's words where they're trying to be encouraging 
they're actually trying to encourage you to hang in there, but what they're doing is it's putting fear on you. And what is happening is he's saying, I want you to step out of that fear because I've actually already told you why this delay appears. Has it been appearing around you? And um, that what he's doing in this time of delay of what seems to be delayed to everyone else, because I feel like you have an assurance that you're right with him in that. Um, what he's doing is he's actually expanding you into what you need for the next season. And there's something that he's doing in this delay. It's like he's capitalising on this opportunity that's only going to exist in a certain season and it's existing in this season. People are speaking into it, but he's saying, don't let their fear crowd you in because you've already heard what I've said about it. You just need to lean into what I've said about it, okay? So I told you I was stepping right out of the boat, so I'm just drowning now, so that's fine. Uh, it's Jamie's shoulder. Awesome. We're going to pray for healing. Are we cool with that? So the great thing with praying for healing is we don't have to spend five hours. Um, we can, but Jesus can heal like that. So last week when um, my friend who was a pastor called out some things, I went with his daughter who was actually, um, I think she's 11. I said, come on, come with me. And she, they were visiting and I said, right, well, you, you know what to do. You've seen this. And she's like, I don't know what to say. I'm like, just say Jesus, heal his shoulder in Jesus' name. And she said, so we're like, okay, so we do that. So we pray and then we go, we'll test it out. And he goes, yeah, it's great. And we were like, oh, cool. <laughs> you know, because we were almost shocked that it was that simple. We were shocked. I was like, I was building her up in her faith, yet there was part of me that was like, wow, God really just did that. That's so cool. So that is what we're going to believe, that God can do it just like that. But I'm not going to do it alone because I'm not going to be here next week. Hannah, you'll have done this like a thousand times. I know. That's why I'm not going to ask you to do it. I'm letting you off the CRCT hook. Jamie. Jim, play for Jamie. If you would. Look, I know that God can heal like that. So I'm not worried if he chooses not to manifest his healing that way. It doesn't change whatsoever my opinion of the fact that God can heal him like that. That I have confidence in. Because I've seen him do things that I thought, how on earth did you do that? And yet I know at other times I've watched people walk out their healings and I've had it happen to me personally that as I've tested out, just I'm just going to keep talking, you tested out. Um, while I've walked out my healing, God has touched on something else that he never could have touched on if he had healed me physically. He, I had a knee injury, I was on crutches for 12 weeks and even heading into surgery, everyone was very much like, God's going to do a miracle. And I already knew within my heart that God wasn't going to do a miracle in the way that they said. I knew I was going to surgery. But I couldn't tell anybody because I thought they'll all think, oh, that pastor doesn't have any faith. But I knew that him taking me through the process of surgery was going to put me at a point of trust in people that was not going to come up very often, that I had to surrender to him to protect me that was not going to come up in any other situation except in that surgery situation where I had to go, you knock me out, you do whatever, I trust you. And so God healed something else in that midst that he couldn't have touched on if he had just healed my knee like that. So that's why I'm not, wor I'm not worried about whether we see a physical manifestation or not because I know that God knows what he's doing. So how are we going? <laughs> yeah.
he's testing. I was like, what was it? Painful or like there was a pain associated with it as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. Was it like what was it on a scale of one to ten? Oh, yeah. And has it gone down at all? No, I'm thinking the answer is no because you're thinking too hard. <laughs> awesome, let's pray again. You want to jump up and join us? Do it. You can do it. I'm going to pray there. This one. Lord, we just thank you that you're a God who heals. And right now we just say to this pain, go in Jesus' name, or tingling associated with go. And we just, uh, Lord, we command healing and full strength to this shoulder to be restored right now in Jesus' name. Just uh, tighten every ligament that needs tightened, loosening every ligament that needs to be loosened and put it back in a perfect alignment to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's test her out. Oh, that doesn't hurt, he says. Shocked. Oh. So it's a bit looser. We're going to pray one more time together, okay? Because some of you are going, wow, she's just going to keep hanging in there. Yeah, I am. We had a visiting ministry who, no, we had visiting ministry who came once to teach us how to move in the prophetic. And he got up with 11 words of knowledge and he bombed on every one of those 11. And he just kept getting back up and I kept thinking, how inspiring. And at the end of the day, he's like, that has never happened before. And I said, yes, but you're here in a place where people need to know that if you muck up, you get up and you keep going and it's fine. And so what you taught them about God this morning was what they needed to know. He's like, oh. And then he gets up later in the day, bang, 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 bang. Because we had been encouraging them as a church that get out, give it a go. If you fall flat on your face or you think you do, you get up, you give it another go. And we were really battling that fear of man. And so for him getting up there and just going, what is going on? Actually, the rest of us were like, yeah. We were encouraged by that. So that's why I'm going to pray one more time. Because I want you to know that I'm not really scared of what you will think of me at this time. I just want to see God heal Jamie. And you can all, you know what, you can run me out of town later. It's all good. So, so here, is that where you do yeah, now? Yeah, down, down there. Yeah, sort of you put your finger there. Where's it start? here? Lord, right now, for every symptom, we just speak against it. We just proclaim your healing to come right now from the beginning to the end of this pain, Lord. We counsel it right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we just speak your healing, your fullness that was brought on the cross upon Jamie's life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to test her out one more time. No. That's good. We're just going to keep, we're going to keep standing, but we're not going to do it right now. I'm going to, going to wrap the service up. So I don't know if that's something you normally do. I know it's something I normally don't do. But I really want to encourage you that um, when people come and say, do whatever for God, that he's challenging them to do exactly the same thing. So they, quite often you'll see someone come in with a message and you'll think, well, that's easy for them. They've got that together. And quite often what you don't see is it's not easy for them and they don't got it all together. They're just like you walking this journey and hoping that they don't fall flat on their face in front of a room full of people. And I was so pleased that you even stood, like really honestly. 
<laughs> you know, um, because God is wanting to extend us. And in our extension, sometimes there's that, you know, when you go to the gym and you, it hurts. The next day you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know I had that muscle, you know. And, um, but what happens is the more you work those muscles, the stronger they get. And the same is going to happen with your work with God. The more you just reach in and say, you know what, God, whatever I'm in, is going to strengthen you to the time that you start doing You'll look back and go, I can't believe I do this. And it's because he's grown you in that because day by day you've gone, I will do what you asked me to do. So I'm just going to pray for you guys and then hand back. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness, Lord. I thank you for your, just your wonder that we can come and, and do life with you, Lord, that no matter where we are on this journey, Lord, whether we're only just hearing about you for the first time or we've known you for 60, 70, 80 years, Lord God, that you meet us all and that you encourage us all. Lord, I just pray for each and every person in this room today as they go, Lord, that they would have a conversation with you about the whatever, Lord, and that they would hear you speak ever so clearly, Lord God, that if they're worried about hearing you, Lord, that they would know that it is you, that you would give them reassurance that it is you, Lord, that it would just be uh, encouraging and growing them, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, that you want to speak to us, that your heart is to do life with us, Lord, that you sent Jesus so we could do life with you. Lord, I just thank you for that amazing sacrifice, Lord. I thank you that you have given us everything we need so that we can do whatever it is that you ask, Lord. And I know that whatever we give out, Lord, that you are so much greater than that, Lord, that you never, we may be stretched, Lord, but you don't push us down to a point where we break. So I just pray for every single person in this room, Lord, no matter where they are in their journey, Lord, no matter what's going on, that they would know that they can turn to you and that you are there, that you will answer them, that you will hold them, that you will draw them in, Lord, and that you are just so pleased to do life with them. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to be here today, and I just pray for this house, Lord, it would continue to grow, and pray for this school, Lord, that it would be mighty to this community, Lord, that they would see many, many people come to know you over this course of this year, Lord, that it just be such exponential growth, Lord, as they just turn their eyes to you, that you would bring people in, Lord, just to, yes. to do life with you and to do life with them, Lord. So we just thank you for the leadership of the house, Lord, and we thank you for where they're taking them in Jesus' name. Amen.